Oh, how soon we forget. <laughs> Welcome to this time of worship at St. Matthew's. I'm David Carroll, the senior pastor here, and we welcome you in the name of Christ. Hope you'll have the chance to meet some other folks around you today, especially as we pass the friendship pad. Now, you might have to throw it over to somebody here at the 830 service, but that's all right, too. Just sign in and pass it to some others, especially as others arrive this morning. Uh, you, you get the special gold star today for paddling in for this time of worship. Hey, I understood there was a great stop hunger now yesterday. Packed over 40,000 meals to be used around the world. Give yourselves a hand, John. You got it started there. Uh, and that's something to really be proud of, thankful for uh, as we've completed this great event. Can't wait to see what happens next year. We have also coming up, uh, and the, those of you for whatever age that are ready to jump in there and try softball again this year, we encourage you to jump in there. That's something that I do, just to kind of interact with the uh, young adults in the congregation. But it's not just young adults. There's an injured reserve list for those of us who try to play at my age. <laughs> So come and join us. Uh, see uh, Collinsburg if you would like to, to uh, join in with that crew or call in to the church office. Hi, I'm Kim Parker, and I'm the, one of the associates, but I served at an intersection most of the time, so it's nice to be over here with you guys. Today is Confirmation Sunday. About 15 years ago, I realized this is the lowest Sunday of the year, traditionally, because Easter falls and everybody takes a break. And so we put confirmation on this Sunday to increase that average, and it does very well. But if you see some of the seventh graders that are going through, there are 13 of them, um, make sure you greet them and, and welcome them and encourage them and ask them some questions about church and what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a Methodist, but also what it means to be a church member. And so we celebrate with those those, those young people and their families today. Also, today at 2 o'clock, there will be coffee with the pastor and then we want to make sure that uh, everybody knows. You may have to get up and walk across the room here, but uh, knows that as we start this time of worship into a deeper level, may we pass signs of peace and love. Let's stand. Mm -hmm. We walked in, we looked for Mayor Melton, and we did not see him. We saw another celebrity. His name was Matthew McConaughey. Now, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know who that is, you know, you can Google or ask a young person. He is, and I think I can say this in the pulpit, one of the sexiest men alive, according to people. That's the magazine. But according to me, I have to agree with that. We'd already had a conversation, me and Karen Coons had had a conversation that morning about him and just how he was just very beautiful. And there he was, seated at the bar, eating a salad at Julep. Well, immediately, this is texting days, we all start texting everybody that we know, completely telling them, you'll never believe you see her. And we're taking pictures at a distance and, you know, we're trying not to act like goofy people, like looking at a star. And eventually, Lisa Garvin and myself made our way over there to talk to this man. And he is every bit beautiful in person as he is on television and in the movies. Well, when I got back to Starville and was getting ready to preach that morning, this was my opening story. Why? Because I had great theological insight from having a conversation. Actually, we talked about faith with Matthew McConaughey. No. 
because there was deep insight and meaning that I could tie into a wonderful illustration of meeting and seeing Matthew McConaughey? No, I just wanted to tell everybody (laughs) that I had met Matthew McConaughey. And of course, eight years later, I love still telling the story. But as I begin to think about this passage today, I begin to think about why does it fall in this area of electionary? That this is about Pentecost. This is about the beginning of the church. That when the Spirit of God would fall on his people, his apostles, it would shape them and change them and and pull them out of the, the upper room in which they were so scared. But even in the passage that Janice read this morning, Jesus would breathe the Holy Spirit on them. And some will say that that was actually the first Pentecost. But this is a story of good news. That we are in a season of Easter in which we talk about good news. That all of us have encounters with a living God in different ways. As we see in the scriptures, we see four different interpretations and understanding of the resurrection And now we see Luke's story continue in the Acts of the Apostles, and it's still telling the story of the resurrection. For we can be Christians, yes, but without resurrection, we cannot be Christians. That this is the hinge of all our faith. And so as the story picks up in here, it's good news. Though Peter was a little apprehensive and fearful, but something amazing had just happened. And he could sit still no longer. He wanted to also set the record straight because they were saying, oh, you're under the influence of these spirits, the little s, that you've been drinking, you guys are drunk. That here the disciples had been in this upper room praying It has been 50 days since the resurrection. It had been 40 days to where Jesus walked on the earth and ascended into heaven. And now 10 days later, hence the name Pentecost. But it's also the Jewish festival of weeks. And everybody was there celebrating first fruits. And God will pour out his first fruits on his first people to become a church. And so as he pours out, everybody begins to speak a different language. This is a a tongue that's not considered the Bible that Paul talks about, in which we can't find the words, maybe like an infant calling to God. But this is a, a sign in which everybody from all other countries were in this space and time, and they begin to hear the story of the resurrection in their own native tongue. That I always laugh at the fact that, that it would be like you think of your most country person that you know, and they talk real slow, and they talk like this. That if all of a sudden they burst out into French so affluently and beautiful, you would go, what? And they wouldn't go bonjour. I mean, they would just bust into this beautiful, elegant story of the resurrection. A miracle, Yes. A supernatural experience, yes. A powerful moment that would shape the life of the church. That as Peter would hear this and hear the mumbling and grumbling of people naysaying, he can't take it anymore because it's good news. And in this lectionary part, we get bits and pieces of his sermon that will call people 3,000 in exact 
to come and be baptized. This wasn't your 20-minute, if you're lucky, sermons you got to get done by noon so we can beat the Baptists to the restaurants. This was an all-day occasion that shaped lives and still shapes us today. Peter would step up and he would say things. He would quote David because he knew that most of these people, all these people were Jews at some point in culture and religion by choice at least. And they understand that David sits on the throne and David is the greatest of all kings and still is to a Jew. That he would quote Joel was one of the prophets and he would bring in Psalm 16 and he would, he would bring this beautiful sermon together. And I begin to think that here's a man that has messed up so many times that God wants to use his voice, his existence to start a church, to start a movement that would shape the world. With confirmation this morning, we talked to the young people the first meeting I have with them is I have them to draw a tree and they draw roots and then they put in their roots people and places that have influenced them and shaped their faith. I think about Peter and the things that have shaped his faith. The moments and times in which he was with Jesus. You know, you think about influences that we have and here's a moment where Peter is influenced by the Holy Spirit and begins to fill his mouth with a message that Peter was so easily influenced throughout his life. He was influenced by his wife enough that he would leave his, son, his, his home and village of Bethsaida and move to Capernaum where his wife's family lived. He was so easily influenced by this carpenter of Nazareth that he left his home and his job, not to mention the best catch of his life, to follow Jesus. He was so easily influenced by his anger and his temper that he would argue with Jesus when he began to talk about dying. And Jesus would even call him Satan. He was so easily influenced by that anger that when they came to arrest Jesus, he would take out his sword and slice off the ear of a soldier. Good thing Jesus was there to put it back. He was so easily influenced by the social aspects of his fear that he sold out his loyalty, even his word, to deny him three times in the garden the night Jesus was arrested. He was so easily influenced by religious leaders and teachers as well as the law of Moses that he would ask Jesus questions about Sabbath, but also about how many times do we forgive. And even he was so easily influenced by pride that when Jesus would bring up the story of the rich young man, he says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you, that this story cannot be about me that he was so easily influenced by his guilt and his grief that he almost missed the experience of the resurrection because he went back to work, to fish, where Jesus would come and meet him on the shores. And Jesus, Peter was so easily influenced by the distraction of the waves and the wind as Jesus calls him out to walk on water. That even in Galatians, we see Paul scolding Peter for he's being influenced again by his legalistic friends and that he wouldn't eat with Gentiles when they were there, but he would when they weren't. But this is the man that Jesus will call 
the rock. That Jesus will hand the keys. That the foundation will begin with this man that's been so easily influenced by the world around him. Because at this moment in Acts, the power and the spirit of the Holy God influences him to not just step up and speak, but to live the rest of his life knowing that he will die one day. That he will not even die the way that Jesus would die. He says he's going to be crucified, and he says no. And they turn him upside down. This is a man that turned the world upside down. That he could not contain it anymore because it was good news. Though he scolded the people around him and says, you killed him. He wouldn't stop talking about the fact that death had lost its sting. That resurrection was real. And that Jesus lives. That he wouldn't stop talking about the good news. That he began to give direction and call people to return, turn away from their sins, to turn to God, to be baptized. That this one man that was so easily influenced would influence a world to do amazing things. In 2009, in the Book of Discipline, uh, in the, even in our vows that you see in your bulletin, a word was added to the prayers, the presence, the tithe. That word was witness. As I begin to ask the students this, this week about those vows as they were getting ready to take those today, ask them what the word witness meant. And if you ask a number of people, you ask them what the word witness means, they would say to experience something, to see something. You think in the legal sense of court that we call witnesses to testify because they've been there and they've seen it. In a way, witness does mean that, is that we've seen the effects of a living God and we've experienced a living God through Easter, through resurrection, through the power of God's love and spirit. That in a sense, that is right. But in a sense, it also means that we're to tell of that experience. That like Peter, we shouldn't be able to contain ourselves, that we want to tell the story. Much like me wanting to tell everybody that I met Matthew McConaughey, but more than that, it's more important to tell that we've met Jesus and that Jesus has met us one-on-one. And because the first fruits have fallen on us, we should tell that story in word, but in lifestyle and in deed. That as they begin to toss around this adding to the vows, the result of their studies that they would go through great prayer and holy conferencing, and that when new members would come, they would say prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness because the church realized that it was declining and that it was no longer that if we build it, somebody will come. That it was more about taking the story outside of the walls of the church. That witnesses begin to experience and see but also begin to tell of what they'd seen. 
For this is an outward sign of the love of God and the power of the Spirit flowing within them. And like Ephesians 5 says, For though your hearts were once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord, and your behavior should show it. That our witness grows through our prayers and our presence of experiencing the living God. It's nurtured by our gifts of generosity and spirit, and it fills our service with joy. That yesterday, during Stop Hunger Now, the Pharrell song, Be Happy from Despicable Me Too, came on. And it doesn't matter what age they were, they were, they were dancing. They were getting it. And it was fun to see that in the joy of giving, the joy of service, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the influence of a loving God that calls us to love. In Matthew 16, is only one of two times that Jesus uses the word church, which if you translate it off the Greek, it's derived from two Greek words, which one means out and the other means call. For I see the church is those who are called by God to serve. But notice that it's not just about a building here at all. It's about being called out to live out to live out loud this thing we call faith. That, my friends, we come to church, we absorb, we see, we experience the living God, and now it is our turn to tell that story, to tell it, to be so excited about telling it that, as my mom would say, you're about to bust. What is it? That that's how we should be, and that's good news. I read a story this week about a man that stood in front of a window of an art shop on a street in an inner city. It didn't say where, who. But as he looked at this painting on the outside, it was, he just looked at it intently, and it was, a, it was a picture of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus. And he was gazing at it. He was looking at it, the bleeding, the dying, the suffering, the man on the middle cross. And he was barely conscious, and he, and he was watching this, and all of a sudden this little boy comes up beside him, and he was obviously poor, possibly homeless, tattered closed, closed, dirty hands and face. And so the man thought that he'd see if the boy knew what this picture was about. And he said, he said son, do you, do you know who that is? And the kid said, yes. Pointing to the man in the middle of the cross, he says, that's our Savior. The man was surprised to hear this little boy say this. And he said, well, you know, that's great. And he began to, the little boy began to tell him, he says, and them there, they're soldiers. He pointed to the Romans. They nailed Jesus to the cross and pointed to the women near the edge. He says, and that's his mother. And see, the woman that's crying, that's his mother. She's really sad. He just pushed his hands deep in his pocket as if waiting to see if the man would answer about the scene. After a long silence, the, the man looked down at the boy and said, son, where did you learn that? He said, Sunday school. I thought, wow. And then the man turned and began to walk off. And about two blocks later, the little boy came running up to him and tugging on his coat. He said, mister, mister, turn around. And the man turned around and he said, yeah, they killed him. 
But I forgot to tell you the best part. He rose again. He rose again. That's the most important part of this story. My friends, that is the most important part of our story. That Jesus lives. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And therefore, we may live too. Let's pray. Our loving God, we thank you that you live. May we be influenced by the power of your spirit and not by the things of this world. That God, we thank you that if you can take an easily influenced man like Peter and change the world, take us. May we change our world around us, but may we also begin to change the world. Oh God, pour out your spirit on us so that we may too testify, witness, tell the story of your great love. For it is in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we finish this time together, as we testify, as we witness in song, may we stand together and sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And know that the altar is open for prayer Or maybe you want to come forward and to to accept this Jesus, this power of the Spirit that I'm talking about. Or maybe you just want to make this your church home. Don't miss this moment. Be influenced by the Holy Spirit. May we stand and sing. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou Sun, moon, and stars.